Yo! <laughs> is, he, is he Jewish? Yeah. Florid. Now remember, we don't hate the Jews. We hate the Jewish state. That is not dope, yo. <laughs> this is the final episode of Buckle Up with Mike. Welcome back to Buckle Up, baby. Uh, episode 75. Six. I think it's five. Whatever. <laughs> Not important. Um, Rebid. Every, every, what's on everyone's minds. Did mm. you see what just came out? No. The trailer for Good, for Good Burger 2 just came out. Well, that has been sweeping the nation. Yeah, Keenan and Keller back together. Oh. Um, great cast. Um, probably a great script. Kel's been sitting on it for like 25 years. Uh, Honestly, thoughts? What are your thoughts? Immediate thoughts? Well, nothing else going on in the world. This seems to be really front yeah. and center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In true buckle um, up theme, you yeah, son of a bitch. I think the theme they uh, they want to like introduce AI into Good Burger mm-hmm. and like franchise it a little bit. Um, and chaos ensues. Do I even want to take the bait on that piece of <laughs> nonsense? Is that even true? It's true. It's 100 okay. percent true. Well, they picked a hell of a time to uh, announce. Yeah. A lot of people don't care about what's going on in Israel. <laughs> a lot of people don't is, care. But guess, a, you really think so? A lot of people no, don't care. It seems like a disproportionate amount of people do care. The entire world is paying attention in a way I've never experienced in my life. There have been wars before. There have been conflicts before. It's never been encompassed all of culture in the way it feels like it does. You know how we're your whole life, in our lives, we're raised with like... Talking points, for better or worse. Never before in my life has a talking point that you kind of dismiss or take for granted shown itself to be true. That the hostility towards Israel or anti-Zionism is anti-Semitism. And this obsession with this sliver of land for Jews, the Jewish state, our little sliver, people hyper-obsess about and hold to this impossible standard in a way that can only be explained by anti-Semitism. And I, I come to that conclusion now sort of independent of what I've been told about it from previous generations or education. You, it's just undeniable, and we can unpack it if we want. But if anything, just the obsession alone with a situation when it involves Jews, when it involves Israel, versus all other conflicts around the world, the disproportionate obsession to me is a cause of interest Mm -hmm. and is to be suspect. Why why does it uh, ignite the world in the way that it does when Israel, the only Jewish state in the world that's the size of New Jersey, tries to defend itself? It baffles me, and the only logical conclusion, not the conspiratorial conclusion, the logical conclusion to come to is is there so much anti-Semitism? Well, I read there? something about it recently. Someone asked that yeah. same question. And one of the reasons he gave, which I think is fair, is, is first of all, it, it's it's like a Western culture over mm-hmm. there. And also because of the Bible, people feel an attachment to the Holy Land. Um, anyone who's Christian or religious in any sense yeah. who has ever opened up a Bible feels more of an attachment there than Yemen. You know, I like understand. they know the names of the cities, yeah, they know I the know. geography. I understand why Israel itself yeah. is more of a known entity mm-hmm. or a known piece of geography. But that doesn't explain the secular, uh, woke hostility mm-hmm. towards Israel as a colo- uh, accusations of Israel as this imperialist colonialist yeah. power. That's not because of its biblical significance. It's because they hate the Jews. <laughs> seems that way. It seems that way. And, and they're I, and they're and they're applauding it. Like, like there's not even this like 
oh, I don't even know where to start. Is like there's what's going on in Israel. That's the tragedy itself of the massacre of mm-hmm. Israelis on October seventh, and then there's the silence about it, the indifference about it, and the celebration of it, and the indifference to that celebration. Mm-hmm. It's it's so insane. There's like double standards in on so many different layers yeah. of this. Let me take it back for a second first, because la- last episode we put out, we could hardly speak. Yeah. Now we all have. Now we both have a lot to say. Yeah. What do you think has changed between October 14th mm-hmm. and October 31st? We're now we we feel pretty comfortable here talking about sure. stuff. What happened in the last two weeks? So, for me, the additional layer of concern that's come into the equation is you've seen Israel respond to what happened on October 7th and everyone seems to forget that like all the innocent people who suffer in a war every innocent civilian who's died from a world was alive on October 4th October 5th and October 6th somebody said on a news segment uh, Israel was in a ceasefire on October 6th right stop calling for a ceasefire Israel was in a ceasefire on October 6th so what are we talking about but what's changed now is the war has ensued. Israel has responded to October 7th. And yes, death and destruction has happened in the in in a war. There's death and destruction. The question is, you know, we could talk about how it's justified in Israel defending itself. But like people say, in one hand, Israel has the right to defend itself. But then they say, but they can't. Not effectively, essentially. But what has changed, yeah. to answer your question, yeah. not to get off of it. I'm, I'm saying, so that conversation, all that's been coming out. But what's changed that's even just as concerning as the slaughter of what happened in Israel and the tragedy and atrocities there is you're now seeing like the true face of anti-Zionism and these Palestinian liberation movements. Mm -hmm. You're seeing that reveal itself in people celebrating the event Mm -hmm. in people calling for from the river to the sea, accusing Israel of genocide while calling for genocide against Jews. And then you're seeing Old school anti-Semitism, pogroms, a plane lands uh, in Russia uh, full of Israelis and there's a pogrom of people trying to find Jews to hunt them. They're checking people's passports, 1939 Germany style. So you're seeing these actions happen and then you're seeing the sort of public response to it, which is this sort of soft, cowardly, ooh, that's awkward. Like, can you just, can we look the other way? I don't want to face it. Whereas other forms of bigotry and racism, anti-black racism when we've seen it in the past, is so unequivocally condemned by the world, and we all know it, we all get on that, on board with that. But when it comes to Jews, we're now seeing not, a, not only a glaring double standard of Israel and how it defends itself, yeah. but in displays of anti-Semitism, there's just this double standard. When it comes to Jew hatred, it yeah. doesn't summon up the same ire, and it's, that's another level of concern. And that, that wasn't that, happening two weeks ago? I mean, it, time, not enough time had passed for yeah. people to respond to what was happening. So uh-huh. when you're seeing protests across the world in the tens of thousands supporting not just a free Palestine or forget a free Palestine, supporting Hamas mm. in the UK, in France, all over the place. And then where are the good people responding to it? They're kind of like, it's complicated. Yeah. It's a crazy region. There's a lot of history. And those are, those are supposed to be the good people. Yeah. And then it, it takes a certain amount of bravery to come out and say, yeah, calling for the death of all Jews is wrong. And I'm not going to stand on the side of entities and regimes that call for the destruction of Jews and the extermination, the, the destruction of Israel as a state and, and extermination of Jews as a people. It's somehow now brave to come out and speak out against that. There's been so few yeah. people. And for, me, for us as Jews to see the 
I appreciate all the people who have come out to support, but for that to even be difficult to do is concerning for us as Jews. And I think as enough time has passed and we're, we're seeing sort of the indifference or the silence of the major institutions in our society and high-level profile figures sort of not say anything. It's like Elie Wiesel said, or quoting Edmund Burke, you know, evil can triumph when good men do nothing. Mm-hmm. It's not just the people perpetuating it. Just to see that on full display right. and to feel that indifference yeah. as Jews... Has is, is the next layer of of concern for us. Right? Right. We saw, yeah, we saw someone we uh, we actually interviewed on the podcast, mm-hmm. like a, a high profile Jew who had he didn't say anything about it mm-hmm. um, until a few days ago. Yeah, um, when he could start talking about anti semitism, mm-hmm. he started to feel included. Maybe right. Um, right. I don't know. Not to put myself in his shoes, maybe yeah. he didn't feel as included mm-hmm. in Israel because he doesn't feel a connection to it. Right. Yeah, but maybe now we're all feeling. Person, maybe even in America, we're, all, we're feeling personally involved in a way we didn't two mm-hmm. weeks ago. That allows us maybe to speak. And look, we I take for granted, maybe. and we take for granted the fact that we had a, an education about Israel growing up yeah. and like the history and the details, and have read a lot yeah. about it, which I have. By the way, and for a lot of Jews, yeah. they, they they're not necessarily armed with the with the knowledge of kind of putting things into perspective. So yeah. they don't want to touch a subject that's unclear to them. Yeah. And that could be the whole conflict. But now when it's just about Jews, gas the yeah. Jews, kill the Jews, we want Jewish genocide. Yeah. And then you're like, it, like Mayim Bialik in her statement, it did, doesn't matter if you're on the right or the left. It wouldn't matter to any of these people whether I supported a two-state solution or fought to and, and sympathized with the plight of Palestinians. Yeah. It doesn't matter to them. Yeah, the, I'm a Jew, in and Penn, I'm a stranger in, in a strange Penn land. Station on, on, on Friday night, yeah. there was a group, a Jewish group, calling yeah. for a ceasefire. Right. They're called like the Jewish Voice or something. It's Jewish like, Voice Ju- for Peace. Yeah, yeah, and they flooded Penn Station, calling for a ceasefire. And my my first my first thought was like. How like badly are you trying to be loved by these people who hate you? Like yeah. you think this is, I mean, like like it's it's a derangement. Yeah, um, to like separate yourself from your tribe almost in like an effort to be seen in some way. It it it, way it felt it. tribally like this is like stupid what you're doing. Yeah, masochist. And and you can even think that you you can have those opinions. That's yeah. fine. But to like to promote to to be publicly expressing them like that yeah. felt like on a on an instinctual primal level like dumb. Dumb and masochistic. Like yeah. we we are we feel guilty. We are bad. Um, cat cat cat. We're with you. We're with you. Yeah. Kill us. Like it's it's almost like we want to suicide ourselves for this. Yeah. We hate us. We hate us too. We hate us too. Now I want to be careful that in making the case to stand with Israel, as far as appealing to not only the non-Jewish world but fellow Jews who might be confused about this, especially those in Jewish Voice for Peace. It's important to remember that. They shouldn't stand with Israel because of their tribal affiliation to the Jewish community. And that kind of peer pressure to be put on them, like, hey, you're a Jew, you got to... That is not the most compelling argument. Mm -hmm. Because by that logic, then you just have to affiliate and swear your allegiance to whatever tribal group group you're a part of, no matter wrong or right. Mm -hmm. But you stand with Israel because of good and evil, because of right and wrong. And if after the events of October 7th, you don't know where you stand if yeah. you look into it. Take away everything else beforehand. If you can't tell, generally speaking, even if there's matters of degree here, the side of civility, the side of civilization, the yeah. side of good and the side of evil and barbarism and savagery, if you don't know where that is, you're kind right. of morally broken. Not because you're a Jew, but because you're yeah. a moral person. As always, it seems like Israel has 
like bad PR, but the, a couple messages I've seen other people trying to promote. I think Michael Rappaport, the mm-hmm. guy who had who's he was on Friends and he has that yeah, yeah. David oh, Portnoy. Yeah, but he yeah. I mean, yeah, I think he put out I saw him put out like a really good message Israel should have put out was like the message should be Hamas should surrender. Mm-hmm. Like that that's a great simple message that anyone can get behind. Mm-hmm. Um and return the hostages. Like like why wasn't that front and center? Everyone agrees I shouldn't say everyone agrees with that, no. which is the really scary part. No, they don't. But most people, I you think, ever heard could by agree with any that. means necessary. What did yeah. you think colonization would yeah. look like? These people celebrate. It's the same thing that happened in the riots and BLM riots, where people were celebrating destruction of property and persons in the name of resistance. This is part of the ethic that permeates the far woke ideas. This is not me trying to score political points or make or dunk on an argument. It's like it's no. staring at us front and center. It's why the BLM Chicago puts up that thing and says. Yeah. It is what it is, or whatever they said, with a with a paraglider ter- a terrorist, in the name of the oppressed versus the oppressor, and whoever is powerful is necessarily bad, and whoever is seen yeah. to be weaker is good and virtuous. They justify all the atrocities from one to the other. I saw. I was in T- Trader Joe's yesterday, yeah, and I saw I saw this woman shopping, and she she was not visibly Jewish in any way, but I saw her face. Mm-hmm. She was so like tired, <laughs> and I, I my first thought was like, this woman's Jewish. She, she's <laughs> she's been through it in the last three weeks. Yeah. Um, and I think people, yeah, that's, I don't know how, if people understand that, yeah, uh, what it feels like. And it's also nice, it doesn't matter what your religious affiliation is. It seems like people across the spectrum are feeling the same thing uh, in the same way, which is pretty profound. Which is what? Shock? Um, fear? Fear, defeated. You mean across the Jewish scared. spectrum? Oh, so yeah, yeah, like yeah. walk into like a not, like a kosher style deli. Yeah. People who are not going to synagogue on Yom Kippur. Still feel what I'm feeling right yeah. now, which is when I, which is profound. You yeah, know, it's, it is. it's profound to be connected. I in that said it way. to an audience last night. Does anybody just feel like a certain sense of solidarity with all your fellow Jews? Don't you just love every Jew right now, given mm-hmm. the context of what we're going through? You kind of zoom out. Yeah. I was like, and it's kind of annoying because there were a lot of Jews in my life I really enjoyed not liking. <laughs> <laughs> I did, That's but in the joke. end of the day, I'm like, yeah, all right, dude. They hate like it puts you all in the same boat as it felt like. It's like this weird moment of history from the 1930s has been superimposed on today. Like we're living in a dream. Like imagine waking yeah. up then. What did it feel like? I feel like it felt like this. Yeah. Restaurants, people talking, intellectualizing it, yeah. contextualizing a, it. A good well, it's not really the Jews. It's <laughs> Israel, the Jewish state. Now remember, we don't hate the Jews. We hate the Jewish state. Japan? Oh, no. You hate. We love the Japanese, but we hate the Japanese state. No. Uh, Vietnam, uh, India, all these other countries, they have a state. The Jews, well, interesting. Yeah. I wonder what will happen with them. Hmm, John? Hmm, simply troubling. What You know, it just feels like that conversation in the champagne restaurant elite yeah. scenes of college campuses talking about the... Just wild. Uh, yeah, just wild a rabbi I listened to, was his father was a Holocaust survivor, and he yeah. said, like, after Holocaust, his father just co- lost complete regard for what any goy thinks. Because mm. he said, like, he saw the civility of Austria and Germany. You mean at the time? I say after the Holocaust. Like, oh. you know, yeah, he was one of those, like, don't have a window on your synagogue. The goyim yes. are going to break it. Like, th- things I, I generally dismiss. Yes. But he went through this, his life thinking, like, if the goyim think it, forget it. If that's what they listen to, forget he it. He disqualified the opinions so, yeah, of the because, non-Jewish yeah, world. Yeah, because he said, like, he saw he he saw what happened in Germany. He saw how civilized they were, how smart they were, how intellectual. Mm-hmm. And he saw what they were capable of. And he yeah. lost, he just completely lost. And I, I, Faith I, I, and yeah, humanity. Not faith in humanity, just um, faith in that civility, yes. faith in that uh, veneer of of humanity um, yeah. that can go away like that. Jordan Peterson that has always talked about 
one of the big warning cries he gives on all of his podcasts is like, I don't know if he's ever said this directly, but one of the takeaways I get from his ideas is like, we think civilization is this like stable bedrock and it's just here and we all are now elevated and evolved and you're really this close to hell. Always looking on the other side of it and it's always right there. So you have to be... I've always liked him. And he comes from hell, so he knows. Oh my God. <laughs> well, you're always this close to hell. And he says, things get bad one step at a time. And yeah. we're like, where did all this come from? But you, you, you kind of see, I think during COVID was the first time where like politics extended to personal, where all of a sudden people have political disagreements. It's all good. We all debate. It's all good. And I've been struggling with this idea. But if you keep playing with that, I think we're going to get clicks and pops in the mic, oh, by the no, way, if you sorry. stroke it. Um, <laughs> but you know, how, like politics amongst friends and yeah. disagreements, it's all good. But then there are certain things that come up in life mm-hmm. that really divide people. Yeah. And I remember COVID at the time being this thing where people who I'm friends with who are a little more liberal were like, no, 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 no. You can't go out. You're, you can't do those things. I'm going to judge you now. Where it was, uh, it was, it was a lot more of, <laughs> it's going to happen. It all of a sudden extended to where politics became personal. And yeah. now we can't just, we can't just disagree about this. Yeah. And, and agree to disagree. Now, all of a sudden, my opinions infringe on yours. And COVID was the first time I was seeing that, where people were like, I may have an opinion about it, you may have an opinion about it, but you have to restrict your freedom. Yeah. And they felt that way towards me. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Then you went through the whole like Kanye phase last year of that cultural moment where he could just say these things and walk around with impunity. Yes, I'll lose brand deals and all that, but he's still Kanye, and I feel like he could drop an album tomorrow, mm-hmm. and uh, and people would buy it. I feel like that also highlighted the double standard of anti-Semitism and breaking down that barrier of what you could say in public about Jews. And everyone's like, eh, I don't really agree with him, but maybe he's got a point, and we could just like talk mm-hmm. about it casually. And therefore, anti-Semitism was now once again reared its head as this thing you could do and you can express and you could feel yeah. and talk about. And you're not going to get necessarily shunned to yeah. the same extent as other forms of bigotry. And now here we are today. And I feel like it, it paved the way a little bit. And maybe it's been there the whole time. You know, I know. But Jordan I, Peterson said things get bad one small yeah. step at a time. And we've been nudged and nudged and nudged and pushed yeah. to accept these kinds of ideas in our yeah. in our world, the woke ideas and these narratives. And yeah. now here we are justifying atro- people just yeah. in the universities, justifying atrocities yeah. against Jews. I don't know. Um, you can connect. I don't know if I've said this before on the podcast, but I remember thinking in like 2007 when mm-hmm. I first started seeing Zach Galifianakis, mm-hmm. one of his like bits was blatant anti-Semitism, and it was funny. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't, I can't think of a specific joke, but he'd be like, um, like, like Zach, like my name is Zach Galifianakis. Don't worry, I'm not Jewish. Mm-hmm. Something like that. And it was so like no one had made those kind of jokes. I think in many in like right. a long time. And he was the first comic I can remember to make those blatantly anti-Semitic jokes. And I don't think he's anti-Semitic. It was funny. Mm -hmm. But I remember thinking at the time, like, oh, joking about this leads to just sort of not joking about it. And I I remember I'm like having that language enter culture feels dangerous to me. Uh, well, now, you're, only, now you're down a slope that I don't necessarily It's been like 15 years. Because I think joking about something is also a testament to like being civilized about it like when you can joke about like i think like if you think about it like i disagree well think about the things you can't joke about um 
like the n-word yeah you can't joke about it but i don't but know it, if that... it, it it keeps a, it keeps a gate around what people allow around this yeah. virus of anti-semitism which people it seems like people are are not immune to like sane people once the virus gets in their head go nuts so like you you're saying you can't keep... joke about certain things because it just makes it palatable for no, people because ling- language is really really powerful and, yes. and 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 just having certain language enter people's heads but language paired with on but words themselves, like language paired with intention, is what is what it means. Like if he wrote an anti-Semitic We've had article, this again, I, I understand. If he wrote an article and everyone's yeah. like, "Ooh, that was a little off-putting," but I get it. If he was serious and made a serious anti-Semitic point, I get I, it. But I if disagree. It, but if it was a joke, I disagree. I think jokes are a testament to people tolerating each other. Um, I, I think humor. Th- there are certain there are certain things in human nature mm-hmm. that are so we're so susceptible to that you can't even joke about it. I think. I think like um, it's even even very like sane normal people are susceptible to anti-Semitism, so you really need to be very careful about the language you even let your, allow yourself to use. But if yeah, but if it's funny, that's telling you something that we can joke about it and not. Yeah, yeah, but look where we it, are. Look where we are. Yeah, but you're, you're drawing. I mean, I'm saying you're saying you're, you're drawing a threat not, to this I'm moment. Not, I'm not blaming. I'm not blaming him, but. Um, no, you you're saying that's that my, you're, you're saying that the casual it. use of joking about Jews and yeah. suffering and all that will eventually lead to this. I don't. I, I don't so. follow that thread. I think, it, I think I'm not it's... saying will eventually. I'm saying can eventually. I can understand why you're feeling that way right now. No, I I, I remember in 2007 feeling that way. Right. Yeah. I'm not but... blaming him in, in, by any means. I, I just if I, if I had to track back to the first time where yeah. I it even occurred to me like something like this could happen, it was then. But anyway, we we went through. But this that is the, derailing uh, the point Kanye's, where we with the N word stuff. With the Joe Rogan stuff, remember yes. that? Yes. Yeah, we had this debate then. But again, look, this is should getting. We just, should we just end the podcast? <laughs> we will. But this is um, getting into weird, dicey territory of arguments that aren't worth having. My only I thing agree. I would say is I like, pro- like language that we just can't talk about and say. I don't know if that really protects against yeah. racism. To me, what's been much more perpetuating of racism is the same ideologies that want to suppress speech are the ones who are the most racist against Jews right now. It's mm-hmm. the people who won't let us like freely talk about anything that want to protect certain groups and and uh, persecute other groups. Yeah. That kind of ideology is much more dangerous and is what's causing, to me, what you're seeing on colleges, these people who are now saying, oh, free speech when we talk about Jews. But certainly uh, in other cases of joking, yeah. they're wanting to shut it down if it's other groups. Yeah. This double standard when it comes to Jews, to me, that's where the thread goes. I, I don't think the the ability to joke amongst friends yeah. and, and with good intentions and tell funny jokes is is what is going to introduce that into like that poison yeah. into the world. I think if anything I, it's uh it's it's other elements but we could we could yeah. go on and on, we can about, go on, those and on about that. Anyway, um yeah. I was going to say that it's just a I have never been I've never been one of these like people even as the grandchild of Holocaust survivors who bought into the hysteria of the modern Jew or the paranoia of the modern Jew in this country or in the diaspora who said like, hey, you know, it could always happen again here. I think it could happen in our lifetime. Another Holocaust in America and all that, all that stuff. I would be like, oh, God, roll my eyes. I don't feel that way anymore. Yeah, I am now like, where are we going to move? I'm going to call that guy and be like, how do you get a passport? Like uh, Singapore? Like, what, so, you know, I'm, I'm feeling yeah. all that. And I'm like... I, I just like that person, that paranoia is now justified. Yeah. It's not paranoia anymore. It's based in an unfortunate reality that is on full display. Did you see what Jim Gaffigan tweeted? I think Yes, said, I yeah. thought that was so moving. That, that, what did he say? Uh, what was the tweet? He said, can we all text our Jewish friends now and say, okay, you were in paranoid. 
Like to me, that line was one of the most moving things I've seen anybody yeah. say about the issue. Yeah. And it's so profound because he's like, oh, all our Jewish anxiety friends, we poke fun at them. Stop, stop. You're kidding yourself. So, and that, that for him to say yeah. that to me was like one of the best mo- statements anyone's yeah. made about That's, this. I, I've never liked the anxious, neurotic, Jewish, big long locks yeah. character on TV because right. I, I've always, behind the humor there, it's like, why do you think we eat locks? Mm-hmm. Because we all grew up in Eastern Europe where people ate smoked fish, mm-hmm. but anyone who stayed there died. Mm-hmm. So we came here and now we eat locks here. Right. Like that's why we eat it. That's why Woody Allen's neurotic. Like I I've always like and I've said this on the podcast Woody before. Allen, he's not in the best place publicly right now. But he's um. back in, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone starts at zero now. Any juice starts back at yeah. zero. Um no, but I I've always I've always been bothered by that. Portrayal? Um, no, but by by like the 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 the, the oh. Jewish joke of like, yeah, Jews are neurotic and paranoid. You've been and bothered that that's and, a thing, but but now you realize why it's a thing. I I've always just sort of seen a layer past the humor. No, I, I always have, and now and now I, I think think if 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 Woody Allen made a uh, a movie now about an erotic Jew, it would land in less of a funny place. It would be mm-hmm. like, well, yeah, he's you know was that a makes funny sense. Meme or a tweet that said like, for all those who wonder why Jews are erotic, we all are the descendants of Jews who were in a country and said, yo, the vibes are off. We're getting on a boat. <laughs> yeah. So like we're the descendants of anxious people because historically. Like yeah. Andrew Schultz said, like you could literally pick the date. Every place I went to it was like, oh, this is the day the Jews were kicked out. This is the day the Jews were kicked out. And he gave a really compelling sort of, it's what's fascinating for me and like what I'm interested in. The only conversation outside of the Jewish community I'm kind of interested in is how sort of neutral bystanders are seeing this. Like, I want to see how you're perceiving all this. Like, if you have no background in our background, um, in Israel, in being a Jew in this country and living outside of Israel or whatever it is, Holocaust, like, if you don't have that in your history, how do you see all this? So, Andrew Schultz, I think, gave a very honest. Yeah. Um, not a Jew, by the way. Yes, yes. Schultz with a Z, not, a Jew, not yeah. TZ, and that makes all the difference. Yeah. Even though Steiny thought he was. I thought we were Mishpacha, bro. Yeah. He's like, oh, he's, he's trying to Jew me. He he's trying so, to no, he's Jew. like, he thinks I'm Jewish. He thinks I'm Jewish. <laughs> Do you guys know each other? Are you guys like, are you guys like friends? So like, so let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about Israel Palestine. Let's do it. Let's talk about it. I no, like, but, I like fact, how his, his serious voice, his yeah. like his, his daddy voice. Well, he almost was choking up a little. It was like a, I thought it was like very, like, you know. He's like, I, th- I thought it was good. And, and the, who's his producer? The, the Alex? black guy? Alex. Alex, Alex Media. Yeah. Um, I thought I thought he you could tell sort of he he probably might not agree with everything but mm-hmm. he was kind of sitting there respectfully I thought yeah, yeah. I thought it was really nice and Akash was like yo <laughs> <laughs> yeah your grandparents were on the Holocaust like shit and also like he Akash had a that moment. is not dope yo <laughs> <laughs> That's but he was just like I think for him. I could see it in his eyes. He was like, I did not realize how much anti-Semitism is its own thing. Yeah. And now I do. Yeah, he, he gets that part. And I think he also gets, he, um, he's, is he, he's Muslim, I think. He, he, Hindu, Hindu. He's Hindu. Like, you know, yeah. he, he gets what it's like to be like an Eastern brown guy in America. To be other and, and to be othered in that way. So I think I think he's in a really interesting place like to comment on it. And he's just like, I always thought Jews were just like white like everybody else. And I'm like, people, it is not like that for Jews. They walk around and... You know, the minorities think that they're white and the whites think that they're, yeah. you know, yeah. there's these vermin. Yeah. And it's like now it shows like what this is. And it's this ill-defined amorphous thing, almost like this disease that possesses everyone. Barry Weiss says like the capitalists who hate Jews think Jews are the communists and the communists who hate Jews say Jews are the capitalists. We take every single shape of scapegoating you can imagine. Yeah. And it gets attributed to the Jew in every yeah. regime, in every like, country throughout history. In Dagestan, been blamed for everything. they want to kick the Jews out. Where are they supposed to go? What in, in Dagestan yeah. they want to kick the Jews out? Yeah, where to where? 
Israel? Yeah, I know. <laughs> and then what? <laughs> oh, that's another point. What's the thinking there? The weird irony going on here is that uh, one can make the case, one of the cases for Israel, yeah. aside from the many like legitimate cl- claims that Israel can make about its existence and its founding, is that Jews need a state of their own to protect themselves. Because historically, if there's ever a case for any sort of state for a particular people, it's the Jews who've mm-hmm. had it the roughest in history in terms of the the necessity for a state. And yet now people are using that state as the excuse for anti-Semitism, yeah. which necessitates the need for the state. Rabbi so it's like never has the has the has the cause of anti-Semitism or people are claiming it's because of this cause shown the need for that state no. to exist. It's so strange to me. Rabbi Sachs said it very well. I heard him speak probably in like 2013 or something. He yeah. said, in every, in every era of Jewish persecution, the sort of um, prevailing thought of the day is used as, as the excuse to persecute the Jews. So yeah. in Spain, it was religion. Mm-hmm. It was like Christianity. The Jews are like, you know, bad for... Christ killers. They Christ kill their yeah. Lord and in they don't Germany, accept our Lord. In Germany, they use science. Mm-hmm. It, was like, it was like science. You know? They're contaminating the race. They're, they're contam- Yeah. And, he's so, and so he said this in like 2030. He said, what's going to be next? Social justice. Mm-hmm. And everyone sort of... Like dead, dead went, not, like yeah, and I remembered that then. And he's like, "That's the prevailing thought of the day, and that's what's going to be used against us next." Yeah. So him and Zach Galifianakis speaking pretty close within years of each other, and they and people don't know this. They had a very close relationship <laughs> that um, I'm actually writing a book about. Yes. Um, yeah. Galifianakis sax. Sacafanakis. In conversation. Zacharia Galifianakis. Sacafanakis. He's a good guy, man. Zach, I, I, I. I can't believe you would bring him into I this. Think, I think... Um, Remember I his interview with Paul Rudd? What would you tell actors who want to hide their Jewishness as well as you have? Yeah. I'm not a practicing that's a, Jew. That's a great example I of perfected. it. That's an excellent joke. If it, you're a Yid, you should defend humor at all costs. That's all we have, Michael. It's all we have. It's funny. It's a but, wonderful uh, I think, joke. I think it can be both. It, it sheds both. light on the truth. It can be both. The Hollywood need to hide your Jewishness, and then Paul Rudd playing along. I'm not a practicing Jew. I perfected it. <laughs> is, he, is he Jewish? Yeah. Paul Rudd? He's like, I'm not a practicing Jew. I perfected it. Uh, that was a great exchange because what Zach Galifianakis is actually doing in that joke, if you want to get analytical, I understand. Is, I, you? I understand it. You know who's Dagestani? <laughs> Hasbullah. Hasbullah. Is he? Yeah, and he's been silent. <laughs> Hasbullah, speak up. You know, I've been show, on the milk boys. When people <laughs> ask me for a picture of, of my daughter, I show them a picture Hasbula. of Hasbullah. He's from Dagestan. That, that yeah, plane landing you're seeing, where are the Jews and they're looking at passports? He's oh Uzbek. He's, I'm Uzbek. He's pleading with them. I, I tweeted that. I said, terrify that guy. Yeah. He's like, don't worry, I'm Uzbek. I, wrote, I tweeted, like, don't worry, guys, he's not Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I don't know. What am I missing? Where is the world eruption across the good natured world of the West yeah. standing in solidarity with Israel and the Jewish people against. Yeah. I heard, anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism. I heard Bill Simmons, uh, his podcast. I try to listen to some stuff that's yeah. not about Israel yeah. to like uh, just relax. And he opened up his podcast with like a very heartfelt uh, tribute to Matthew Perry, mm-hmm. a Shalom, who died this week. Yeah. And he was on the verge of tears, Bill Simmons, mm-hmm. talking about how deeply he, he was affected by Matthew Perry's death. And my thought was like, Bill Simmons cares way more about Matthew Perry than he does about Israel and Hamas. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. And that's why he hasn't said anything about Israel and Hamas, because okay. he cares way more about Matthew Perry. Yeah, And it's just like everyone else who cares more about Matthew Perry should also probably take a beat before they say anything. It's been interesting to see all these Instagram influencers uh, siding with, uh, you know, 
free Palestine, all of a sudden they're experts on military tactics as well. Like having authority here on how Israel should retaliate and what's considered proportion and all this nonsense. Yeah. 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 Um, You know that they were saying, BBC reported that Matthew Perry was killed by Israel in a a bombardment. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. And and it was a genocide. It turns out it was Islamic Jihad, whatever. They're, they they're, genocided <laughs> Matthew Perry. Yeah, they're using these words. Awful. These, the co-opting of language by these groups is just yeah. nuts. Just throwing around words like apartheid yeah. and genocide and hydroxychloroquine. I, I, stole peroxide. Joke, I stole the joke from Dim Dillon, who was like, what happens in the back of that Uber was a genocide. <laughs> See, those kind of jokes, too. He's been Do you, really Is he funny. minimizing? And he, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to keep arguing with you. Do you he's, think he's minimizing it or he's highlighting the, the, the ignorance that's out there? That's what he's doing. He's highlighting it. He's highlighting it. Yeah. 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 But um, one could say talking about it in a non-serious way of any kind is going to minimize that's it. That's not what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Let's, let's, we're not, we're not going to agree on I'm, it. We're, we're not, which is why it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thorn in my craw. Yeah. He would, when you're saying that, like the, the talking about intimacy or joking about Jews all of a sudden introduces this, I think, yeah, this I think, okayness I think with it. It's, it's, it's kind of like when you joke about... Um, when you joke about like stealing pizza, like it's yeah, you joke about it, it's funny, and and then like eventually you're like maybe okay. we kind of should. Steal I guess pizza. I just take a principal position that the ability to joke around with each other about our differences is the celebration of those differences and the tolerance of that in general. So when we can all do that, every race, creed, and color can do it. Then we're all but getting we along because we can't. We can't do it yet. Yeah, now we can't. Yeah, we well, couldn't we before, but. Until Zach joked about it. <laughs> okay. But uh, we have a big announcement to make. Yes. Uh, we're coming up to the end of this episode. We're going to, we've covered mostly Israel stuff. Um, I did, first of all, acknowledge that, like, we talk about my, not to get too self indulgent here, we talk about my Instagramming and social media stuff. And yeah. I did, I don't know if, if you have thoughts about it, but I did make a conscious choice to step out of the role of entertainer and comedian, musician, mm-hmm. and go full on. Like vouching for Israel and giving some commentary and thoughts on this. I have yeah. my reasons for it, which I could talk about. Yeah. Um, but it was a conscious choice, and we had spoken about it of like what what to do here. Um, Can I tell yeah yeah no no go ahead go ahead. And I'm curious what you think about my decision. Well, I that. I joked to you. You called me the day on October 8th, and you were like. You sent me a video. You're like, what do you think of this? Is it cringe? And I called you back. I was like, I, was like, I, I think it is a little cringe. I don't really think you need to be putting out like yeah. a statement. Mm-hmm. So we just, so we like, you, it was your idea. We You're kinda... mixing the order of things. I sent you that video way later after I'd already posted a bunch of stuff. No. I, yeah. No. This was the morning after. Uh, was this the Monday doctor, morning. the guy going to the doctor video? No, 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 no. This was this was before that. This oh, was before was that. another video. It, it before you posted anything. Yeah, it was. I remember oh. I was taking my sukkah down. I remember. And, and, and you decided, I'm just going to post, like, a text, I stand with Israel. Yeah. And, and, and we're like, yeah, that seems appropriate. For now. Like, flash forward 14 weeks, and you're 14 days later, and you're in black and white, uh, imitating your grandfather, speaking in a, in a German accent, or in a Polish, Polish accent, yeah. like, giving you a message in the future. And I'm like, what, uh, what has happened in the last 14 days? Well, I don't think you watched anything leading up to that. <laughs> I watched the, I watched some. I watched some. I was After I was the fact. I was trying to stay off social media. You you saw the text and the Zaidi video and then you were like, "What? No, happened? that's not true." Come no. On. I saw, I didn't realize how much you were posting. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So in the context But anyway, say say well, you want to know what I think of it. Well, I think um I like it when anybody when any artist does something authentic 
from their real voice and from their real concerns and their real interests. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you did there. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have done it myself. I, I'm not even the audience for it. Mm-hmm. But I think I like that you did it. And I think the response has shown that you you did something true and good and real because people have responded positively to it. That's what I think. A lot of negatives, too. A lot of negatives, Brought too. out the moths to a flame of the anti-Semites on the ground. Yeah. But listen, and it's so funny, the anti-Semitic comments I'm getting, yeah. they're all like getting defensive about my charge that they're anti-Semitic by being anti-Semitic. That's what that's how they're responding. They're like, yeah. I'm not an anti-Semite, you hook-nosed Jew bastard. <laughs> like, that's what they're like, fucking Jew playing the victim, let's wipe him out. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm not playing the victim if you're threatening to kill us all. So I've gotten that. What but anyway, I will say- from a content perspective? Yeah. So, look, it, it comes from a couple of different places. Like, I guess this is the first time something, like this has ever happened to this scale in our life. It's also the first time something of significance of tragedy that mm. has happened and I have an audience in conjunction with that that like might benefit from something I might have to say about it. Like I never had to feel that before because there was no one to talk to about it or or uh, express anything to mm-hmm. in, in outside of interpersonally. Um, but also there was this real s- sense of a morality collapse and reality collapse around this issue of Israel where I felt like the idea of doing comedy in a world that devolves into moral relativism that doesn't understand and respect basic humanity and basic human rights at that real level of principle that our civilization sort of rests on, like comedy, comedy's days are numbered in a world like that. And they will fall on deaf ears. You can't really have a free, you can't have art freely, truly expressed in a world that will devolve into a place that justifies atrocities willy-nilly based on these ridiculous ideas so i did feel almost sort of passionately mission driven to offer what i could say about a subject from that perspective so it's sort of consistent with fighting for comedy and fighting for us to just be able to have fun Um, but i gotta first like get back to baseline here and like let's just establish a few things so that was sort of the philosophical motivation there's obviously the personal motivation that like i'm you know, between the friends and family and connection I have to Israel as a personal trauma, I wanted to speak out about it. It's affecting my life. And I always felt that it was very funny when people were like, why you speak out about this? Why the selective outgrowth? You haven't spoken about it other things. And it's like, fair enough. But it's like, look, like everybody's got their things subjectively that affect them. There's plenty of tragedies in the world that I might have not spoken about, but it doesn't mean that they're less wrong and not worth condemnation, but they didn't affect me as personally, as subjectively as this one. It's like going to a family of a house and, and the family just experienced a trauma or somebody was murdered in that family. It's like, you know what? I know it's sad that your family member got murdered, but there's a lot of murders in the world. That's not what you say to a family going through a trauma or somebody mm-hmm. going through something personally. Well, there's a lot of pain in the world. You know, you're not the only one. You shouldn't just get mad about this. Like we all have a certain kinship and connection with people who share common history, common culture and all of that. So I didn't feel wrong in speaking out about this issue when I hadn't spoken about other issues previously. Yeah. And it just felt so beyond politics. Like I wasn't getting on there talking about abortion or taxes or other things and being like, anyway, so the new house of Mecca, I wasn't just doing a detachment from that. So it being philosophically consistent with like fighting for the right to have a free civil society and making sure we're all on the same page here mm-hmm. and respecting each other. And standing on the right side of civilization versus barbarism and savagery, I felt philosophically driven to do it, personally motivated to do it. And um, and I don't regret a thing because, yeah, I, I know that it's it's like that personal hurt and feel the, feeling the need to offer clarity to it. People are like, no, entertain us, monkey. Come on, don't feel bad. It's like, 
you guys can all relax for the three seconds. If you don't like it, you can scroll up. Mm-hmm. It's not like you pay me. <laughs> but yeah. I didn't want to disrespect people, but I also felt like in doing a few videos, one or two, I realized in the response, like perhaps I'm also good at clarifying or articulating these positions in a way that I think can be helpful for not just people, for people who don't know anything about the situation, but also people who I felt wanted to stand in solidarity with Israel, but didn't quite know how to, or didn't feel like they, in feeling like they, in they could speak up for Israel might give the wrong idea that they're mm-hmm. unfeeling towards the other side or towards innocent Palestinians. Like I felt like you can, it's okay to take a side, to take a stand and not just be neutral or claim, Oh, war is bad. Innocence dying is bad. Like you can be precise mm-hmm. in your speech, in your language, in your positions. You know, when the rapist comes and rapes a victim and you side with the victim, that's one sided. doesn't mean it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, of all the stuff I've consumed over the years from the intellectual curiosities and, re- and stuff I've read about and the history of Israel and also just generally speaking, my politics, all that kind of stuff, like all those circuits kind of woke up. And I know we pride ourselves in not knowing what the hell we're talking about and just kibitzing, and it's true. I never, I didn't want to fancy myself on Instagram as a scholar of history or let me educate you on Israel, even though people might have felt educated by my content, but I felt like it was more like, I'm just trying to be a guy here who... F- for the sake of moral clarity and like for the sake of what's good in this world and for the sake of humanity, like this is my perspective and I'm going to try to be as impartial as I can and just explaining how this feels even subjectively for me, but like, you know, just giving my opinion on it, not coming at it as anything out of that lane. I'm trying to be conscious of that. Um, and so I stand by it. Okay. 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 <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Having said all that, yeah. As far as our podcast goes, because mm-hmm. you're bored as fuck and you're about. Well, I think to be you long. said that. I think you explained <laughs> it the last podcast also. Yes, we do have an announcement to make. We Michael, do have a big announcement to make. Um, this is the final episode of Buckle Up with Mike and Ami. It is. It is. Oh, we made seventy-five episodes. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of it too. Are you? <laughs> <laughs> You spent a lot of time bitching about it, Michael. I'm proud that we made it. Yeah. 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 Did I spend a lot of time bitching about it? In the beginning, or one season two, we went to season three, you're like, I'm, I don't like what we've been doing. I don't like it. Yeah. I, I see our no. body of work, and I'm not happy about it. That's what you said one episode. I, um... <laughs> it's okay. You're a moody guy. No, I feel I feel that way in some, in some capacities, uh-huh. which is why we're making changes. Okay, yeah. so, yeah. fear not. Fake fear out, not. fake out. <laughs> it is the last episode of Buckle Up. But it is not the end of Michael and I... And Ami. And Ami. It is not the end of our endeavor because Buckle Up is transforming, evolving into its next iteration called... Ami's House. Ami's House. Ami's House. Because I'm the star. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be honest. We've been doing this. And let's be honest, Michael... They love me and they hate you. You know what? It's not wrong. It's not wrong. It's not true. And this was Michael's idea. But basically, yeah. what we're going That's to do—that's important to say. Yeah, this yeah. was my idea. Yeah. This was my idea. We we were. What what was the evolution of this? We were sitting in a coffee oh, shop. Oh no! This is what happened. We yeah. um. You launched J Sketch, mm. and and you came around to something I think I've been saying from the very beginning, which is podcasts should have a target audience mm-hmm. and be about something. Right. 
And uh, so we were going back and forth. Okay, how can we make Buckle Up more, a little bit more targeted? Yeah. Because Jay Sketch is very targeted at the Jewish audience, mm-hmm. and you got a sponsor like that. It was yeah. like, you did good stuff, and, mm-hmm. and it came really easily. So we were like, oh, how could we target a little bit better in the same right. way Jay Sketch targeted, but to our own audience? Mm-hmm. We were going back and forth, different things. And, and I kind of landed on... Um, just if, if there's any like buckle up nerds there who want to hear all this, you know, mm-hmm. if you've been with us for 75 episodes, yeah. I kind of landed on we you you have hundreds of thousands of followers over all your platforms, people like you, millions and billions <laughs> of views. They say you <laughs> so know good. they wanna they see you have a podcast and then and then they go to your podcast. It's called Buckle Up with Mike and Ami. Mm. Isn't you know, is is it, you they know, don't even go to the podcast. A lot of them, they don't yeah, know. Right, right. That's a big. It's thing a is, removed right. endeavor. Your reels, your the reels of Buckle Up that you share on your page don't translate into followers, right. which I think is a really good marker that your fans are not translating into Buckle Up fans. Right. So the question is like, so how do we get them? And I think just real low hanging fruit is like make it more like you like Ami. You go to the podcast, right. so you know what you're going to get. Essentially, it's uh, we wanted to create a space in which it's a natural extension of the stuff that I do online and right. cultivate that audience to come over here and and be more into my world and you be the great co-host that you are right and shave the damn beard because people are disgusted no <laughs> but be the great co-host that you are and this will be my podcast and you will be my co-host so, so we're still going guys yeah they're, they're freaking right. out I see that. they're so, just freaking out we're still going to be going we're going to be interviewing <laughs> lots of fellow comedians yeah. creatives the stuff in my world that we talk about on this show and obviously, even more given recent events, we'll be talking about everything. It'll still cover a lot of the same stuff, it, and the format will be the same, but um, we're calling it Ami's House, and I think it's going to take off once people realize it's my job. I hope so. Yeah. That's the hope. Yeah, yeah, so the hope is uh, if you're a sponsor out there looking to get uh, into Ami's audience, mm. um, I think when we have a guest, not much will change, really. Yeah. I don't think so much will, so much will be different. If Michael you like will just learn up, his place like and we'll Ami's learn to house. shut the F up. There it is. Just sure. like... It, no, it's like Howard and Robin. It's, you know, it's Logan, Paul, and Mike, you know? Lahav deal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I I have appreciated this endeavor so far as the first at-bat and the next evolution. I am hopeful will be successful. I enjoy Amen. podcasting a lot. It's really been great for Michael and I to flesh out ideas and meet new guests. It's been a great opportunity and a great a great vehicle to facilitate conversations with all kinds of people. Yeah. Um, so we're going to keep going. Evolving from Buckle Up into Ami's House. Ah, everywhere house. you look. We still don't have a theme song. Everywhere yeah, you look. Ami's House. There's a heart. I'm here to hold on to. I have another track we can just use. The Buckle would Up be, track. That would, I like that like uh, sitcom feel for Ami's House. That's fun. Yeah, like that. I'll play you some tracks. I have one that's yeah. pretty good. Boom. Do you have one that's sitcom Not really. That'd be fun. <laughs> a fun intro that's a when you okay. want a conversation and you want to talk yeah, to you, Ami's like house, Ami's house, that's what you got to like do. Violence. Come and sit down, <laughs> come and sit down. <laughs> hey, it's Ami's <laughs> house. <laughs> that's like a Rick Glassman approach. Yeah, it is. You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Something like that. That's interesting. That'd be fun. We'll talk about it. But yeah. I will decide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that wraps up. Buckle, Buckle up, up with Mike and Ami. Thank you all for watching all 75 episodes. Thanks Stay for watching, tuned. everybody. We got a lot of episodes already. Special sh- any special shout outs to, to good fans over the over the last two years? I want to shout uh, out Yoni Stokar, mm. 
my mother-in-law yes. has been a great fan. Uh, my friend Geely has been a really good fan. Mm-hmm. Sam Fromer, mm-hmm. really good fan. Shout out. Jonas Erker watches every episode. Mo Katz. Um, uh, what's um, the guy who did our, uh, our Vinyl logo? Mike. Vinyl Mike. Vinyl Mike has been really Mike. nice lately. Our guests from Parker, uh, Jeremy Parker, yeah. to Neil Goldman, to all of the distant cousins. Not all, all of the, them. Not all the distant cousins. <laughs> Stop. The, the, the guests we've had has been amazing, and they're going to come back. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's been a great experience to do it. And what am I saying? We're going to keep going. What was the best episode you think we did? Harry Rosenberg. Maybe. I think so, too. Uh, I look, I, I don't want to pick favorites, but that was that was, that was just a one. ton of fun. Can you chill any harder than you're chilling right now? And that was he the said, best one. not at the moment. That's what I'd, li- I'd like <laughs> Ami's house to be more just Harry every episode. Harry was like that, that level every episode. That was excellent. I don't know. I have That's a lot of favorites. So a lot of good guests. I think Harry and Robbie and Elon. Yeah. Been a lot um, of them. Are but the three we're gonna like template it off? I am excited for the next phase. We yeah. have a bunch of episodes already recorded and a next batch coming up. So stay tuned yeah. for the beginning rollout of Ami's house. One last buckle up, baby. Slow. Buckle up, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Can you put a soundtrack on this? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs>